Hello and welcome to another episode of But Why, the podcast that's all about digging into big questions and tricky topics by honest conversations. This week we're going to be looking at love after loss and I'm shoved to bits to be talking to Steve Bland who is the producer of this podcast and we had a funny interaction where I texted him saying would you be a guest and I, I think Steve you'd been, uh, been waiting for me to figure out that I should have you as a guest hadn't you? <laughs> I wouldn't say waiting for you to figure it out, but I always thought, you know, I'd like to have this conversation with you. Oh, well, you could have just made my life a lot easier and stopped my brain having to try and think of a new guest and just said, how about me? Anyway, nice that it happened naturally. Um, I found a great article on The Sun saying, who is Steve Bland, which really, really amused me. But um, I haven't just gone with their version. This is, this is a bit about Steve. Steve is a producer. Um, a podcaster, a journalist from Cheshire. He was married to Rachel Brand, who was also a BBC presenter and newsreader. Rachel was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2016, 14 months after their son, Freddie, was born. After her diagnosis, Rachel wanted to tell her story, so persuaded BBC Five Live to commission a podcast. She cast Laura Mann, who I've just had to look at how to say her surname, and I've always had it differently in my head, so this has been a like, massive Mann, yeah, Laura Mann. Mann. I know, but it's spelt, yeah, not how I'd expect. And Dame Deborah James, and you, me, and the big C was born. Rach died in September 2018, a week before Freddie's third birthday, and she was aged just 40. At that point, Steve took over presenting, and you guys have won all the awards. And the three of you have recently been awarded honorary doctorates by the University of London and Institute of Cancer Research, which is pretty mega. And the point of this podcast is that in the last few years, you've met Amy, who you went on to marry this year. So we're going to be talking about love after loss. But I'm going to start with those three questions that we just started chatting about off mic. So how are you really? What star sign are you? And what's your favourite crisp? Okay, so I'll start with the with the easy one, the crisps. Mm. And I know we've spoken about this uh, uh, just a few minutes ago. I love a kettle chip. <sighs> I'm really sorry because I know you've got big uh, big issues with kettle chips, but I love a kettle chip. Or for a more fun crisp, uh, I'm big into hula hoops. I mean, hula hoops are an exceptional crisp, so you've redeemed yourself there. But um, I just find kettle chips too hard. Well, they, yeah, but that's that's why I like them. They're a good dipping crisp. You know, a little bit yeah. of hummus or a tzatziki or something. They're a great dipping crisp. Or a scooping crisp, maybe. Or a scooping crisp, yeah. Okay, um, any any particular flavour of kettle chips or all of them? No, no, all of them, really, all of them. Um, and 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 star sign wise, I don't actually know what this means, but I'm a cancer. I I'm, <clears throat> I think I've said this to you before. I'm I'm, I'm just not into star signs. I just don't get it. I just don't. Yeah, not into. It's just not my thing. Yeah, do you want to know a bit about what a cancer is like? I do. I'd, yeah, we'd actually quite like to. Yeah, so they're very homely. They're real homebodies. Um, that's mainly the most. They're kind of like a very nurturing sign in the zodiac. Can possibly be a little bit indecisive and and struggle to move forward with things. But um, the homeliness is the most the biggest trait. Yeah, I I I, I don't know if I'm indecisive. What was Rachel and what is Amy? Uh, so Amy Amy's March uh, March twenty second. I don't know what that makes her. An Aries, so quite feisty, quite uh, full in the china shop sometimes. Yeah, that 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 makes sense. Um, and Rachel was uh, January the twenty first. 
so probably a Capricorn, quite old school values, quite stoic and um, can dig in. Yeah, yeah, again, makes sense. But the thing is, though, you could... You could probably you could probably pick like typical characteristics from any star sign and, and you'd find them in in yourself, I think. Yeah, yes and no. I mean, as you know from hearing me bang on, there's more complexity to it and I, I could talk for a whole episode. I won't waste it. But, but you have um, done. Yeah, I have and it was very successful, as you know. The, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> candor, are you emotional, Steve? You are emotional. I know that to be true. So, yeah, yeah I, think, I think you're quite Cancerian, to be honest. Um, and how am I really? Uh, I'm okay at the moment. I'm I'm tired. We're very tired in our house just at the minute because we're we're just getting used to a new a new way of life. With um, you know, we got married uh, a couple of months ago, and um, <clears throat> I've been living on my own with well Freddie and and the dog for a little while, and 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 Amy had been with her you know her two cats in a little terrace house, and. And we're just getting used to, you know, life as a bigger family again. And it's and it's yeah, it's taking a bit, a little bit of time. The sleeping isn't isn't the best, uh, just because the, the dog isn't really settling and he's pacing around. And there's wooden floors, so you can hear his little, you can hear his like little claws clip clopping around, and the cats are messing around in the middle of the night. And uh, yeah, Freddie took a bit of time to settle. And Amy's Amy's not the best sleeper anyway. So yeah. Yeah, the sleeping situation is not the best, but that aside, I I am I'm very happy at the moment with with personal life. It's all it's all great. I mean, I know from doing this together, you have had a hell of a summer. You, you, there was a point when you were just <laughs> oh, it's just like wow, you're having major life events. And we're not mm. in the summer now, but major life events left, right and centre. And actually, probably sometimes once life does settle and you get to the other side of all of those massive mountains, then you're, I think there's a bit of processing goes on, isn't there? And trying to settle into yeah. something that you've actually really longed for over the course of the last however long. And then you're like, oh, yeah, right, we're yeah, here. That's, def- <clears throat> that's definitely true. And, and you know, I think the summer, the summer sort of, you know, got off to a difficult start with 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 Deb um you know losing Deb and then and then and then yeah it kind of it kind of moved on to it moved on to happier things like house moves and weddings and that you know not mm. weddings there's only been one wedding and only <laughs> only two house moves but yeah <laughs> you know moved on to uh, moved on to happier things but it was it was quite emotionally you know draining in in the space of yeah the space of a couple of weeks we were we were buying houses selling houses you know trying to sort out a wedding and um all the while you know only only a few weeks after you know after saying goodbye to our our very good friend so it was it was a a big emotional summer but but yeah like you say we're out the other side now and and getting used to you know the new reality of life yeah it's it's a lot isn't yeah you're kind of doing all the extremes in quite a condensed thing and you like you had your stag and hendos didn't you and then you were getting the getting your doctorate it was it was wild so yeah I, I'm not surprised you're tired <laughs> yeah. like I say a lot of it <clears throat> a lot of it I think I'm quite a people pleaser I, 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 I don't know if that's um if that's a cancerian thing but I'm I'm quite a people pleaser so I I'm like my dad my dad was exactly the same so I'm I'm happiest when everybody around me is happy and everyone around me is 
you know, rested and content and everything. And, you know, so Amy not sleeping kind of has a knock on effect that I'm, I'm, I worry about that. And then, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, we're all, we're all good. We're just getting used to, yeah, the new reality of life, but it's all, it's mm. all exciting and all good. So let's get into this. Are we, yeah, I feel weird having this chat. It's always strange. We're not, Stephen and I actually haven't met, but we spent many hours on the mic together. So it's quite a weird thing to then suddenly go straight into a, a big chat. But let's do it. Describe to me meeting Rach, falling in love with Rach. How how was that experience? Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, so let's let's go back a little bit. We, I, I was a I was a producer at, at BBC Radio Five Live, and uh, Rachel was a was a newsreader at Five Live. She did a bit of a, a bits and bobs on the news channel as well. And um, it, was, it was actually when when Five Live moved up to Manchester in 2012, 11, 12, end of 11, start of 12. Um, and and we had some mutual friends. We never, we met a couple of times. We never really talked that much. Uh, but we ended up, I moved in with a couple of mates in a little village called Hale, just outside Manchester. And and uh, Rachel, not really knowing where she was, you know, where she should be, you know, moving up from London, she moved into Hale as well. And um, yeah, just by chance, really. And I was living with a couple of mates who knew Rachel quite well. So she came over one evening and we just got chatting. And then over the sort of next few weeks, we got chatting more and more and more. And then and then Christmas came, Christmas 2011, and we didn't really see each other over Christmas. But it was very obvious, you know, from the messages, you know, that we were, um, you know, we we're getting on great. And then she came back in January um and we just yeah we just hit it off like straight away it turns out she um uh, there was a friend of ours who we used to call Jaeger Ben because he loved Jaegermeister well still does love Jaegermeister and um it turns out she bet uh bet Ben like four bottles of Jaegermeister that we've been, uh, been married by the end of the year because she was it, it turns out like she was so you know she was so sure about it um it didn't it didn't quite happen that year, but it happened the following year. And uh what did it happen that year? <laughs> trying to think when we got when we actually got married. No, no, the following year. Um uh September twenty thirteen. So yeah, it was it was a bit of a whirlwind, but I think it is it is it is a little bit easier in a way when you're in your, th- your late thirties, early forties. I think you 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 you've you've got a bit more clarity about things. And um you know, you sort of don't really or this is me anyway I don't really pursue stuff that you don't think has got you, you know you might not know straight away that you you're going to be with that person but I think as you get a bit older you probably you probably know if you're not and and mm. and I think uh yeah so it was it was it was all fairly quick we got engaged the following uh yeah uh, February March time and then after September, we had we had a we had a really, you know, we had a good run of a couple of years, and then and then obviously, well, Freddie arrived, which was you know marvelous, and then unfortunately the you know cancer came in in uh, November twenty sixteen. And what kind of diagnosis was she given at that point? So she, yeah, so she found. Um, <clears throat> I remember walking into our, our bedroom, and she was lying on her back just. Like prodding just underneath her, I can't think if it was right or left, but underneath, underneath her breast, it was. And, and she just said, "Can you just feel this for me?" And it just, it just felt like, 
I mean, it's, people say this all the time, but it it, it it just felt like a small walnutty, like sort of a bumpy, you know, very small, very, you know, odd, oddly shaped, uh, but very hard and very definitely there bump uh, lump. Mm. And um, and so she went to the doctor, and 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 you know they tell you this all the time. A lot of a lot of lumps and bumps, particularly after breastfeeding, because you know, uh, uh, Freddie was only fourteen months old, so she hadn't long come. I hadn't long stopped breastfeeding mm. and um you know there's a lot of changes in in the breast aren't there? there's a lot of there's a lot going on so you know a lot of lumps and bumps are often explained by that and turn out to be nothing which is obviously what we hoped for but it was you know a couple of scans later and it was very obvious that it was it, it was breast cancer and um and it was and it was triple negative breast cancer which I don't know if you know anybody will know too much about but there's different kinds of breast cancer triple negative is is the slightly more well, less treatable one, a slightly more aggressive one. Um, outcomes are not as good uh, because there are yeah there are fewer treatments that work for it. And um, uh, and and like initially they don't they don't sort of know straight away. They have to do all, obviously all the scans. They did they did the scans and they found it was in a couple of lymph nodes under the arm, which is like the sort of safety net for the breast. Um, and it. it it's a long story, but it, it never really started going right. You know, you hear people all the time, they have they have time, you know, periods of remission or, or periods when they, you know, they get the all, you're the all clear or, um, or, or, you know, they think it's all kind of going well, but it never really went like that for us. It was, it was, it, it was just kind of, you know, difficult news after difficult news. And, mm-hmm. uh, and then, you know, sort of a, Earlyish in 2018, like mid 2018, we it was it was it was just going wrong, and and it had spread across. Um, she'd had had a mastectomy on on the side, and it had, and then it, all the skin started going all mottly and all all like rashy. And this is uh, inflammatory breast cancer. It was in the skin, and uh, you know, once it's in the skin, once it's in a different part of the body to a into the primary site, then it means it's you know metastatic and it means it's it's moving around in the blood and 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 it's it's not curable at at that point so yeah and then yeah skip forward a couple of months she died in um in september 2018 uh about a week yeah a week or so before freddie's third birthday it's and and she was 40 how old were you when that happened uh, a couple of years younger, so I was, yeah, I was 38. So you're 38 and you, you find yourself as a widower. It's, it's a, a mad piece of language. You're just trying to get used to being married, then being a father, and then you're in this role that you just never expect at that age. It's, um, it, it, yeah, it was, you know, people say it all the time, don't they? It's one of those things that happens to other people, cancer and, and, um, even with breast cancer, you think, you know, you know, we all know stories. We all know people, our parents, friends, or whatever, who've, you know, who've who've had it and been treated, and the treatments are like remarkable mm. now, and and the stats are amazing for breast cancer that's caught early. That you know, the stats are incredible, the treatments are incredible, the outcomes are getting better and better and better, and and it was. And it, I mean, it it was, and it still is, you know, hard to take that that that, you know, we were, 
on the other on the other end of the you know the good stats mm. you know we were the small percentage that you know don't make it out the, out, out the other side and it was it was yeah it, it was difficult to take but um at the same time it was a situation that we were in and I'm I'm quite a practical person and and so you know while you know while it was very difficult I also I was I was I was very aware that there was you know little point in in wallowing and being sorry for myself and you know, because I had a had a 14 month old well not 14 month old a nearly 3 year old uh, boy who you know, needed you know and needed looking after and I wasn't going to I wasn't going to let his you know his health or his or his childhood be affected any more than it had mm. to be and so yeah and so we just kind of cracked on and 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 uh, did the best that we could. And did you, in that time, manage to talk about like your future? Well, I'm sure you did, but about what Rachel's wishes were for you going forward and for Fred. Uh, yeah, yeah, we talked about it quite a lot. I mean, one of the, you know, one of the amazing things with Rachel was was how open she became, particularly you know, towards the end when she knew, you know, when she knew that it probably wouldn't have a good outcome. Uh, she was just like remarkably open and and generous in terms of you know not thinking about herself it was it, you know she just wanted to make sure that everyone else was around her Rachel was a worrier about uh she hated um uh she yeah you know, she worried about what, uh, what people thought um probably too much and and the thought that she was you know leaving this kind of destruction behind her leaving this this awful situation behind her was was really difficult for her and it was actually in a way it was harder than actually what was happening to her she you know she really struggled with with the impact it was going to have on everyone around her and so and so we had a lot of conversations like just to reassure her that I was going to be all right Freddie was going to be all right and as part of that you know we never I remember one of her one of her big um, one of her big worries was that uh, she said, "Like we we've, we've been married for, you know, for not very long, you know, four or five years at the time. You know, you'll marry someone else and you'll be with them for forty years, and I'll just be a little footnote." You know, that was a big a big thing for her. But despite that, and obviously I told her that's you know never going to be the case. But despite that, she was still, you know, very clear that I should be I should I should be happy in whatever form that took. You know, whether that meant, you know, being by myself, whether that meant meeting someone, you know, whatever it might be, I, w- I should be happy because I, 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 I was, yeah, like I said, I was, I was only 38. I had an l- awful lot of living to do. And, um, you know, a little boy, uh, uh, like I say, she did say very clearly, I'd love Freddie to have a, a mother figure in his life. Um, and like, you can't imagine how, well, I mean, you probably can imagine that like, you've got kids and, you're not a dissimilar age like you can't it's it's hard to imagine having those conversations and and thinking that you know that clearly about you know your little boy growing up without you it must I just it must have just have been so difficult for her yeah Um, but it was those conversations and how open she was though that gave you know gave me real clarity in what I and not what I was allowed to do but like how I should approach 
you know, my life afterwards. Yeah, I mean, it's the, uh, the ultimate kind of act of selflessness, isn't it? Like the, the thing that you most wish you could be, which is continue to be your wife and continue to be Freddie's mother. You, you're kind of consciously handing it over to someone else or, or consenting for it to be ha- handed over to someone else. It's, it's incomprehensible, isn't it? But it, it's really interesting to hear that bit of yeah. character that she was so so worried about the aftermath because there's a great Alain de Botton quote which is like don't worry about the people that have died because they're okay and and it is true like yeah. it is true it is is how it shows up for the people afterwards but I can't even imagine it's so true that is so true like we talked about it a lot and, and I've heard other people talk about it it's you know it's it's obviously really difficult for the person going through cancer but in in a lot of different ways it's it's almost harder for the people watching from the outside or you know the outside inside whatever you want to call it but watching on from the sidelines to a degree because even though you know I was obviously right in the middle of it but you're still you're still unable to do anything you can't you can't help the situation you can't make it better you can't you know there's nothing that you can do and and and, um and then yeah you do have to deal with the you know you do have to deal with the you know the I remember a friend of mine said it's like like a car crash and you just have to try and pull something out of it that you know that you know you pull something out of the debris and you try and make something positive out of it and I'm I'm genuinely a better person because of it and uh, and I think I I I'm I'm a lot more able to appreciate life and I'm a lot more I've got a much better outlook on things and and that's not to say that it was a, it, it was a good thing because obviously it wasn't it was you know it was, it was horrendous but i i find it quite hard to to get in my head like how how good things are mm-hmm. now as a result of this awful thing yeah i was thinking actually and i've written down i remember you saying to me um about taking Amy to Sulcombe and that Sulcombe was somewhere that you and Rachel loved together and mm. just how much of a, an amazing but unbelievable head spin that is but because it, it's by the loss of one of the loves of your life that you have ended up having the opportunity to fall in love with another and that's such a hard thing to hold in your head isn't it? I was chatting to my sister actually about 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 this kind of similar stuff she uh, my sister has got three kids now, but um, after she'd had her first daughter, Imogen, um, she had a little baby called Charlie who who died after five or six days. He had a, a placenta um, abruption during labor and he, he, he didn't make it. And it's really difficult because I've had two kids since. And it's really difficult to square this, this you know, the joy from the kids that you've got. <clears throat> but you've only got them because of what happened to you know to Charlie who they lost it's really difficult Sulkin was yeah Sulkin was a funny one and I, I don't know if we'll go back there again it's just um it was it was such a part of 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 Rachel and I and I don't know if we'll if we'll go there again I think I'd like to I'd like to find I'd like to find a place that's that's a place for Amy and I you know, a place that we love mm-hmm. and that we want to go back to, and you know, there are there are too many there are too many ghosts. I think in Salcombe, it's just you too 
we've been there so many times there are too many places that I, I look at and I go that's where we did that or that's where we did that and it's a really mm-hmm. small place you know so you can't get away from it it's yeah it's uh as much as I love it I don't know if we'll go back mm. and and also I think sometimes you you don't want to erase some of those memories either do you like it's quite nice to to, to keep something preserved I don't know this is the thing like I get accused of kind of uh, leaving Rachel out of things quite a lot. If I post, I remember when I posted a posted some pictures of Freddie's birthday last year, and we were all out of Pizza Express, mm. and they were all pictures of Freddie with Amy and and stuff. And I had like four or five messages from people saying like, "How can you not post a picture of Rachel with Freddie?" And like, oh. you know, I think it's really disrespectful and all that kind of thing. I get it quite a lot, and and. Um, and it's uh, 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 and it's really hard. Like I, I, you know, this idea that you you only if you don't post it on social media, then it's not happening. You, if you're not sharing a memory on social media, then you haven't got that memory. You know, if you you have to share everything, otherwise it's not there. Like you know, I I I have got so many wonderful memories that we tell Freddie about all the time. And Rachel's a massive part of our life, a huge part of Freddie's life. And that will never change whether I post a picture of, of her on Freddie's birthday mm-hmm. or not. It, the reality is that I, I, I've got to be looking forward now. And, and, you know, that's exactly the way that she would want it. It's, it's just, I mean, you know what it's like. Some people on social media, they love to have an opinion and um they think that once you start sharing a lot, they're entitled to more of an opinion. I mean, it's the thing is, it's so unbelievably hurtful, isn't it? I mean, how could Freddie's mother not be front of your mind on his birthday? Of course she is. I mean, it's how. What do they want? Yeah, I mean, we, but I've also got this. Go I also had this. I also had this balance because, you know, my future is is Amy mm. now. And, and I, and, and it's, and it's difficult for her, um, because Rachel was, you know, clearly incredible and clearly held in such high esteem by so many people. And it's very difficult for Amy when, you know, when that, that kind of stuff is constantly brought up Mm. and constantly, you know, made reference to it's, it's very difficult for her to. You know, she has uh, said to me lots of times that she feels like she's living in Rachel's shadow a lot of the time, and and you know we've, you know we've we've taken down a lot of a lot of well, I mean moving into the new house, we didn't really put up you know pictures of Rachel so much anymore because you know because that's not that's not our life anymore, mm. and 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 it's it's really difficult. It's a really difficult balance, mm. uh, but I think. I just feel like I I have to have eyes forward now. You know, you have to be thinking of of the future and and like I said I'm I'm certain that's the way that Rachel would want. Yeah, that's the important piece of the puzzle. It's not it's not as if you didn't have these conversations and she didn't if her if her overriding fear was that you di- that she didn't want you to be held back then you're you're honoring that and as you say, you've, you've got to do what feels right. No, none of us know what it is like to sit in your shoes until we've done it. And so you know what, what is right based on your instincts. Yeah. 
and I, and I think I was I was very clear after she died that I I um I mean I knew that I would be all right I knew that I would be and and you know we talked about that a lot and, and I knew that I would be because you know because I think yeah I think I am just because of my character I think and my personality I think I I knew not that I would I would get over it you know not not that it would it would be it'd be fine uh, but I knew that I would I would find a way to kind of push on and and I remember talking to Simon Thomas who's uh his wife Gemma died about a year before Rachel uh, Sky a Sky News presenter and um and he said uh you know he said he was determined not just to have a good life but you know that it shouldn't be a second class version of life mm. it shouldn't be you know he wanted to be as happy if not happier again you know than he had been with Gemma and and I think that's that's a really good way of looking at it because you're not just trying to you're not just trying to you know, hit that level again you know once you've had that you want to go even further you want to be even happier and I think uh, I think because of the way that something like this impacts you and the way you look at life I think that's that's kind of where mm. I am because you know all those awful cliches about um how these things are, are supposed to affect you you know they're all true you do appreciate you do appreciate life more you do you do realize how much of a blessing mm. it is you do understand how getting old is a blessing you know every birthday you know you don't whinge about turning 40 or turning whatever you know because every single birthday is a blessing and and, and I think you know it's quite sad that you don't get that uh, perspective without having something you know disastrous in your life mm. I was chatting to um, a guy last week and I hosted this conference this Manchester Cancer Conference and I was chatting to a guy who was speaking at the end mm. of it and a guy called he's a guy called Martin Hibbert who who uh, was paralysed in the Manchester bomb at the arena a couple of years ago, four years ago, uh, five years ago, and um, he he uh, paralysed from the belly button down. Obviously, life turned upside down. His daughter, his fourteen-year-old daughter at the time, was um, you know very severely injured, um, and he was talking a lot about about the way that he is now compared to the way that he was then, and and you know would he would he want that to have happened? Of course he wouldn't. Mm. You go back in a heartbeat if you could and and stop that happening. But he was talking about how how his life now, you know, he understands the value of it and he can appreciate life and he and he's almost a better person because of what happened. And I think that's you know, that's the mm. that's the kind of that's the funny thing that you you don't want these things to have happened, but in a way, it does give you that perspective on life where you that you just can't get any other way. And it's quite sad that we don't get it until something like this mm. happens. You know, just how how precious life is and all that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's always the way. It's from the dark. It's it, as you say, those cliches are cliches for a reason. From the darkest things come 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 all the good stuff. But it's. Yeah, if only if I was gonna say if only you'd known in the depths of that time after Roach died, but met, I don't know. Yeah, you can you can only know when you know. It's a funny perspective that you get both when you know when you've lost, but also you know the perspective that 
you know Deborah had you know when you know when you know your you know your time is limited as well you you know you don't you don't you don't get that that kind of insight any other way other than other than knowing that your time's limited and and yeah it's quite sad it is quite sad that it takes that kind of thing for us to you know to actually appreciate how lucky we are in so many ways do you think that perspective shaped well i'm interested in because actually you mentioned the the uh, cancer conference isn't that where you met amy a few years ago and how did that meeting <laughs> yeah. how did that meeting happen and and yeah. does this perspective help you grab onto something when you know it's good yeah yeah for sure it does um i yeah so this uh, this cancer conference is, a, is an annual thing but it wasn't it wasn't held for a couple of years during covid so the last one was 2019 and it's the greater manchester cancer conference so it's all um it's all the people that work in cancer right across greater manchester all the all the different hospitals all come together to share insight share innovation share kind of all the research things they're working on all the big all the big pilots the big you know, big projects they're working on it's it's inspiring actually you know to see what's going there and what's going on um and in 2019, uh, Deb and Lauren and I were invited to speak on uh, to sort of close the conference on the se- on the second day. So we we did about an hour um, on the second afternoon, and it was the last thing we actually ever did as a threesome you know, live at, actually at, at an event mm. uh, because obviously then you know COVID hit you know the next year, uh, but we we um, we. I remember Lauren. Uh, I remember Lauren uh, uh, talking about having a fuck it list rather than a bucket list <laughs> uh, in the at the conference, and um, and afterwards we were walking out, and and Amy, who um, yeah, Amy just came up to me and, and just introduced herself and made reference to that. You know what Lauren had said about you know sort of grabbing a moment or you know sort of seizing the moment a little bit and 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 she introduced herself but she said that um we'd actually already met because she worked on a ward at the Christie hospital where if you uh if you if you spike a fever or or a temperature or you have some symptoms that need looking at you get you come into the hospital and the first ward you get you you go into uh, was the one where Amy works, so you're admitted into that ward, and then if they need to do, uh, send you off for a further uh, whatever, you're sent off to different parts of the hospital. So, um, she treated Rachel in the July, June or July before she died in September, and um, and I and I do remember her. She said I was actually quite rude because I was I was trying to I was trying to work in the hospital room, and I just didn't really speak to her apparently. But <laughs> anyway, so. In, <laughs> Yeah, she introduced herself, and we just uh, we just got chatting, and then I can't remember if it was me or her. Uh, 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 I shared messages on on Instagram or Twitter or something, and then and then yeah, met up a couple of weeks later, and and it yeah, just all kind of all went from there. But yeah, it was it was that conference. I said I said to them at the conference, there were like seven hundred people in the room, and I said I I love the people of greater Manchester working cancer so much that I even married one of you. It was, you know, it's a, it a very, it's a very special conference for me you know, for you know, a couple of different reasons, but 
yeah that's that's where it all started and in that experience of falling in love with her were you aware was part of you holding yourself back because of you know I'm sure as you said the things that are laddered at you which is too soon not giving enough time to grieve Rachel or were you just as you said I've met someone special I'm gonna go for this yeah that's kind of how I was I think she um you know she I mean not I didn't hold herself back uh, but she you know she was a little a little more cautious than I was particularly around things like uh, like meeting Freddie she didn't want to meet Freddie for a while until we knew that it was you know something serious and she was right but then it became it became very difficult you know to not include Freddie he's so much a big part of my life that you can't Mm. you know I couldn't I couldn't have these two separate bits and build an actual relationship with Amy while you know not introducing to Freddie so um yeah I, I I was I was I was very yeah I was I was all in you know from quite an early point and and <laughs> Um, and it's it's gone pretty well. <laughs> and what about um then the wedding? You know, I, I kept thinking, you know, you've you've stood and made those vows twice, and and I think maybe the when we're younger and we make them, I think. Well, I'm talking about myself. You're so naive that you you can't possibly imagine the death to us part of it because you, yeah. at that point in your life you feel so invincible. And then you, there you are doing it, and you and you know the reality of that. Those yeah. vows. It's just something that you say, isn't it? And mm. then you just you just repeat after the after the vicar or the celebrant, whatever it is, you know, whoever it is doing your wedding. It's just something that you say, and uh, and I think it definitely the whole day, the whole day this time. And I don't like comparing. I've never liked uh, uh, comparing anything. I don't want to. People have asked me about. The differences between Amy and Rachel, and I don't like mm. I don't like comparing. I don't the one of the news one of the newspapers keeps doing it, and you know said that I'd married a I'd married a lookalike of Rachel and stuff, and mm. they don't look anything like each other. And 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 I've I've never I never want to compare, but I think it's it's fair to compare like the way that I looked at the two different days. I I I um. I definitely understood it a lot better second time. I understood what I was doing. I understood how important it was. Understood understood how important what I was saying was, and um, I definitely think you know everyone talks about you know, everyone talks about like your wedding day just goes by in a blur and you don't really get a chance to mm. uh, to appreciate it. When you do it for a second time, you know you get to uh, take a moment and actually understand it and and appreciate it and and. You know, I'm not advocating that everyone should do it do it more than once. <laughs> you know, don't you know, don't uh, you don't pack your marriages up just to do it again. But it's uh, but it was it was it was a blessing to be able to do it again and to actually understand, you know, how special it was and 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 you know really take it all in and appreciate it and enjoy it. And I definitely think I enjoyed it a lot more than the first one. Yeah, because you just can appreciate it, can't yeah. you? I think the older you get, I mean, I don't go to many weddings anymore because you get to that age where they just kind of <laughs> yeah. dry up, don't they? But, you know, once upon a time, it, it was all about the party, which it still is, but I'm always so moved by by the actual ceremony bit. Once, once you have been married and you know 
what that means to commit your life to someone. It, it, it really is an unbelievably big thing. But so often I think people don't realise that when they're standing there doing that. No, they don't. You're definitely right. And um, yeah, I, I was I was very aware. It was it, it was quite an emotional emotional day uh, my good friend dave did the actual ceremony he 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 does a lot of like local local preaching and stuff in churches he's he's a really good friend of mine and um uh, because the timings didn't work out for the celebrant to be there at the time that we wanted so she, uh, so she came a little bit later in the afternoon to do the legal bit with the actual ceremony was just you know was just dave doing it you know just our mate doing it and 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 you know, we did all the same stuff, made the same promises, did all, you know, all the same stuff. But it was just, it was just really, really, really special just having him there. No, you know, there was no one there we didn't know. Everyone was, everyone there was important. And it mm. was, yeah, it was really, really, really special. In fact, I went to a friend's humanist wedding and um, during the the ceremony, they, I don't know what you call a humanist person but they're like you know when you get married every single person in this room if they are the right people are making a a commitment to this couple too and I think again the older you get when my marriage has been through patchy bit it is because of the 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 people that are around you that definitely do hold that together I think again you can sometimes underestimate that as you shuffle into into a wedding ceremony It, it done right it is a community effort 100 percent. i mean you you i've been to so many weddings and you'll have been you'll have the same in your late 20s early 30s you go to a wedding every week don't you like mm. you know, six or seven and you know every summer there was five five six seven weddings and you just sort of go for the party don't you you just sort mm. of go because it's a great thing I, um ours ours to me anyway like just felt different I you know, I understood I understood a lot more about what I was doing and and a lot more about the commitment the promises I was making and and you know how important they were and and um how much a blessing it was to have all our family there and and you know all our friends there it was it was you know just it was just magic and it was yeah it was just a it was just a and Rachel's mum was there which was nice as well you know just you know it was important for her her to be there I think and she's been Mm. she's been great with everything Uh, because she you know she understood I'm sure it's difficult for her as well but she understood you know she understood uh uh, Rachel's point of view on things and what Rachel wanted and 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 you know again it comes back to I've said it a million times you know having those conversations before you know before it's too late you know having the conversations Mm. about you know about death we're terrible at talking about death in this country absolutely terrible and 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 if we were a bit more open about it then i think you know situations like like mine people would understand a lot more you know in my perspective it's when we the the people who 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 like you talked about the uh, the uh, the vow before until death there was part well Mm. you know the reality was death did us part and and Mm. and you know so then you you know then you 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 know I wanted to be happy I had you know 40 I don't know how many years left I'm going to enjoy them and I'm going to I'm going to be happy because I'm not just going to curl up in a ball and and be sorry for myself so uh, but I do think it all comes down to talking about death and how open we are um uh, talking about these things and 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 
having conversations early about you know, we did a session last week at this conference about palliative care and and mm. hospices and things and um you, you, they were talking about the perceptions of hospices and and you know the kind of misconceptions around palliative care and you know it all comes back to how awful we are and how how unwilling we are to talk about death you know mm. the the uh, there's a really really amazing uh, palliative care consultant former palliative care consultant called Catherine Mannix who who's written a great book called with the end in mind and it's all mm. about the way we look at death and 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 she compares you know the day that we're brought into the world and the day that we leave the world and so much effort you know, nine months of planning goes into into giving birth and then the you know, the other end of our life you know, the other day that's not 24 hours long um mm. you know we just don't want to talk about you know we don't want to engage with we don't want to even think about until that moment comes and it just makes it a million times more difficult and not just for the person who's dying but for the for everybody around them as well yeah yeah exactly and and as we've talked about a few times in this podcast it is the the one certain thing yet we um hide away from it but it's yeah I think that's the gift of doing this kind of work and for you for all (laughs) constantly talking about cancer (laughs) is that you do you do you forget that it is awkward for some people now and it become it it is it's kind of like a muscle that you just have to flex isn't it that you that you have to talk about over and over again and it doesn't mean that it it shields you from it being horrendous when it happens within your family but you do become better at it I wasn't very good at it I don't think and then um obviously Rachel started the podcast and then and then in the sort of six months before she died she wrote a book as well and 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 I I had to sort of I had to read her chapters as um, as she was writing them um you know, which became very difficult towards the end. It was it was heartbreaking stuff, but it you know forced me to open up and to you know actually be able to talk about these things. And and you know a lot of that was down to Rachel. I remember her. Um, I remember she was trying to arrange something for after she would after she died, and and her mum was 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 having a bit of a bit of trouble kind of talking about it. You know, saying you're not going to die, you're not going to die. And Rachel uh, got quite cross with her and said, "Mum." mum you have to get on board with this you know I'm gonna die Mm -hmm. and and you know I need this sorting out before you know to give me peace of mind and I think it's um you know those kind of conversations and and how open how open Rachel was that really forced uh, me to be open which has then you know then led on to me being able to do the podcast and you know with Lauren and Deb we just you know we just talked about some of these topics like they were you know, like we we're having a, a chat over a cup of tea. You know, it, it just became so normal, and I think that's it, that's what the point of the podcast was. You know, for people with cancer who want to talk about it, and then all of us people who don't understand it don't don't want to talk about it, and it makes this awkward. You know, makes it into a bit of a taboo when it really shouldn't be. And, and the people it really affects are the people with cancer who have no you know nowhere to turn. They feel like they've got a dirty secret they can't mm. tell anybody about. And and the podcast was all about it was all about getting rid of that. And uh, I mean Deb, you know both of them, Lauren and Deb. But I mean Deborah, you know, genuinely put cancer on the front page of every single newspaper. And 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 you know with her fabulousness and and her dancing and her, her glamour and her you know her sparkles and her dresses and everything. It was it was you know what you know what 
you know what Rachel Deb and Lauren and 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 you know, the podcast have done for people with cancer is is extraordinary I think and and um it's made genuinely you know, changed you changed the world for people like with cancer I really think it has this is as you're speaking that's exactly what I was thinking because if you now think back to Rachel Dye in 2018 and then the landscape of this now it's remarkable the shifts that we've seen yeah. and the, the the public speaking about cancer it's yeah it it's it's like night and day really isn't it or yeah it feels that way and so of course as you said you would never choose this journey but there's no doubt of the legacy of of her life because no. it's it, it's it continues to grow i mean probably way beyond your lifetime as well it's amazing oh so much you so much good has come out of it all and and you know, that's all you can hope for isn't it when something bad happens is that you know, mm. something good comes out of it and and you know, some people are affected positively and and you know you look at you know people you know, there's a really there's a really healthy kind of instagram community now of people with cancer there's you know some you know some have got hundreds of thousands of followers deb had a million by the time she died you know just to <laughs> you know, say just, you know, just, you know, just a, a former head teacher with cancer. And, and, but you go back to when, you know, when the podcast began, you know, it started because that community wasn't there and the way that cancer was being portrayed in the media, you know, wasn't the way they saw themselves. And I think I found the, um, I found like Rachel's like pitch document that she'd written for five live a little while ago. And it had, had a few people that she'd like to be on and obviously top of the list with Deb and Lauren and I think Deb had sort of recently started her her column with the sun and Lauren was just sort of starting to build Girl versus Cancer as a community and they had you know a few thousand followers each and and you know nobody really knew anything about them but but it was it was some pretty inspired casting really wasn't it because because what you know what the three of them and what obviously what Deb and Lauren you know went on to do was uh that was fairly extraordinary yeah unbelievably extraordinary and yeah we yeah i mean the thing is whenever you say dove's name you can't help but grin because it's just it it is so extraordinary to have witnessed i was wondering i don't know what your relationship is with um seb uh deborah's husband did did you were you in touch with him in the days after Deborah died and it must be strange to to, to kind of be witnessing someone else going through a, yeah. a version of what you went through yeah we I was in touch with him both before she died and after she died and and he's he I don't think you'd mind me saying he's a he's a bit more of a of a private kind of guy um you know doesn't really have a, a, a big social media presence and stuff you know they've left that to uh, Deb's this fabulous mum, who yeah. who is is just Doing her proud. Is just magnificent. I mean, all all the family are amazing. To be fair, and they've all and they've all dealt with it, you know, as best you can. And 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 you know they're all determined to carry on. You know, a lot of what she started, obviously the the the, the Balbabe fund that they you know, they launched before she died, and and all that kind of thing. That's all you know, all going to go from strength to strength. I've no doubt, but. Yeah, Seb, we've talked a bit. Uh, we've not talked for a couple of months now, and um, uh, but it, yeah, I hope he knows that I'm on the end of the phone if ever he needed. It's 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 a difficult one because you, 
I guess you deal with it all, you know, in your own way. And he might see it differently to the way I see it. And, um, mm. but we do speak, uh, 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 we have spoken a little bit and, 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 uh, yeah, I, I, I need to check in with him actually. And, and, and the, the kids are honestly, Deb's kids are, are extraordinary kids extraordinary kids they both spoke at her funeral and and like you know she'd have been so proud of what they did yeah yeah those genetics run run through in a strong way (laughs) oh massively yeah i mean mean, her daughter is like a a daughter eloise like a little mini me she's just Uh, she's just exactly the same like the same sass attitude everything it's it's brilliant yeah it's it's quite something I'm I'm trying to look for ways to wrap up beyond the kind of end question I'm going to ask you. But if I guess if someone is listening, either with a partner who's had a terminal diagnosis or having just lost a partner, is there any advice that you would give them? I think having said all the stuff that I've just said in the last hour, one thing I did do was that in my determination to be all right and be seen like I was getting on with my life and all that kind of thing, I think I... I probably rushed, you know, the first few months after Rachel died, I was, I probably rushed things a little bit. I don't mean like romantically. I, I just mean, I just mean I was, I was, I was just so determined to be all right. And I think, Mm. you know, you, you need to know that there's light into the tunnel. You need to know that you're going to be fine and you're going to have a good life. And that's, you know, that'll all come. Uh, but if I could go back and tell myself again, I would say just like just take your time a little bit more. Like just you know, just uh, you know, you make sure that you know you're okay before you charge off and get uh, get stuck back into life again. I think I I think I probably just you know, rushed it a little bit. Uh, but but mm. the other one I think is just to go easy on yourself because I think it's. You know, it's a it's a pretty monumental thing in losing a partner, and and uh, and if you're not feeling all right, like I said, just take your time, go easy on yourself, and 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 um, but just know that you'll get there in the end. Mm. It might take a little bit of time, but you'll get there in the end, and there's no and there's no quick fix. I think that's it. Funny you're saying about rushing out there. I actually watched a clip of you on Lorraine. I think it must have been quite soon after Rachel died. And obviously I've not met you in real life, but I know you well enough to go, wow, you're doing such a good job of being there and like your brain is working, but the the, the lights were off behind your eyes so so very clearly. But you do mm. what you do in grief, don't you? You do whatever it is. And yes, you know, in an ideal case, you give yourself plenty of room and you you, you do all the morning, but then you're just human and you're just wiggling through things in the way yeah. that feels right at that time. Do you know what that was actually? That was, um, I think that clip will have been when I went, uh, the first time that I went on, I've been on Lorraine quite a few times now. She's a big supporter of our podcast. And and uh, the first time was when I was doing the promo for Rachel's book. So this is in, mm. you know, the new year after Rachel died in, um, in September. And, um, and yeah, that was all very, that was all very surreal and very difficult. And I hadn't done anything you know, on that side of the camera before I hadn't done the podcast, you know, I hadn't started doing the podcast by that point. I hadn't, I hadn't done anything on telly. I hadn't done 
anything and it was all incredibly surreal and incredibly overwhelming you're going on all these different tv shows and radio shows to talk about your wife who only died a couple of months before you're trying to push a book it was it was all very all very 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 surreal yeah Yeah. oh bless you and little did you know that was actually the beginning of what would be quite a big part of your career Mm. now but it's strange isn't it yeah so my last couple of questions which you know from having edited this many times but where can people find you uh on instagram um on twitter as well but i do enjoy instagram for the cancery stuff the community is lovely and and i think if you have if you have got cancer if someone that you you know you know or you love has got cancer instagram is a really good place you know there are so many people with amazing stories uh sharing their stories sharing advice sharing tips you know there's a lovely community there and and i'm on there on the on there too at uh, mr underscore blandy um and yeah twitter as well but twitter's a bit of a funny place isn't it and then my last question is as you know if you could have an honest conversation with one person (laughs) who would it be and what would you say this is so funny because i've i've heard you ask this so many times (laughs) and and i'd never until this morning i'd never even even considered uh, uh what my answer would be a very good friend of mine um uh, killed himself about 10 years ago and and you know not uh, not a day goes by without me thinking I want to talk to him again and just and try and understand him I try and understand what he was going through and it's it was all it was all a massive shock to us at the time and, and it's, it still is 10 11 years later so you know, I'd love to talk to Tom it was he was he was a very special guy and I you know, miss him an awful lot thank you Steve for your time it's been an amazing conversation Uh, for the for the audience, uh, when I do my outro, Steve always politely comes off mic so that I can do the outro without him hearing. Now I've got to do an outro about his episode, which feels very awkward to talk about a conversation with someone when they're there. But um, that conversation was everything I'd hoped it would be. It feels very special to be able to have spoken to Steve about that. And, and also as ever to kind of lean into one of those very universal fears I think we all feel fear dying but we fear losing someone we love perhaps even more and so to to feel comfortable enough to have that conversation and to know that from the darkness comes light is hugely reassuring so yeah it's fantastic and I'm going to do a a huge um, segue now and say thank you so much for listening uh, that's another episode of But Why Done. You can find us at But Why Podcast on Instagram or email But Why at Clemmy Telford. And I'm now going to research mattress toppers. Did you know about mattress toppers? I went to Dunnell, my new favourite shop last night, to buy a duvet. And there's a big section of mattress toppers. I didn't know this was a thing. Then I went on Mumsnet. There's a lot of threads about it. Have I been missing out? I'm going to find out. I'll let you know. So that's it. Thank you. Catch you next time. Bye. I'm done, Steve.